Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. One of the things that distinguishes experts in one of the creative arts from novices is their willingness to edit over time. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, the psychology of editing. The interesting thing is that this idea that people get wedded to their first drafts is particularly common for novices in a particular area. Yeah, exactly. So new writers, new musicians who are composing a piece of music, uh, new artists are just very reluctant to edit what they've done. But it is important to note that, that the further on you go... The, the more willing you are actually to edit. So we should, we should bracket this a little bit. I mean, if you, if you were to go over to the Harry Ransom Center, the wonderful archives we have here, we have archives of, of a number of authors. And, and you can actually look at, at times at, at successive drafts and realize how little of what someone wrote at first actually survives to the end. Or sometimes there are po there, there's poetry where uh, you can see the entire thing reworked on a single sheet of paper. Yeah. So, so I think one of the things that distinguishes experts in, in one of the creative arts from novices is their willingness to edit over time. So it, it, it allows us to think, if I just work on the first version really well, and I put a lot of time in on it, it's going to be really good, and then I'll just stop there. Yeah. When, when nobody stops there. That's right. But I think one of the things that goes on with novices, I know when I was first writing things, and, and you know now I feel like I write for a living. I, I spend a tremendous amount of time writing. But early on, it was a really laborious process to get an entire paragraph out, let alone a page. I mean, I remember, you know, in, in, as, as, a, as a grade school student, a five-page paper <laughs> would, would <laughs> occupy me for, you know, weeks, and, and, and I'd be filled with dread. I have to, a whole five pages? And of course, many of those weeks were just thinking about starting the paper and right. avoiding doing right. so. <laughs> well, because it's, it felt so daunting, right? right? Exactly. And now, yeah. you know, the idea that you fill five pages of stuff, oh, sure, you know, it's just getting warmed up. <laughs> but, but when it's that painstaking to actually get something out on the page if you're writing, you're really reluctant to to want to then change it because you worked so hard just to get that first bit out. Yeah, and, and and this applies not only to things that take time to create, even ideas that we have that seem appealing at first blush, uh, and and we sort of practice liking them <laughs> for yeah. a little bit of time. It's it's harder now to accept the fact that maybe that's not the best idea, and maybe we could improve on that by do a little editing and maybe even reject it altogether and replace it with something else. Because once we, we sort of make a decision about something, undeciding that is generally more effortful than it was to make the first decision in the first place. Yeah. And, and you know, the human brain wants to do things in as easy a way as possible. Uh, it is, as, as Bob is prone to say, lazy. Mm -hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that happens in being lazy is if you've got something that feels good enough, right? It, it, you don't necessarily feel like, well, I've, I've got a, I could do better than this. I, I, why should I go through an entire additional process that might be 
even more laborious than what I went through the first time just to make this thing that's perfectly good a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this is influenced by the time between our first decision to land on something and how long we go before there's even a suggestion that that might be modified. Because, of course, in all that time, we've practiced liking that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we've, as we've spoken about on previous shows, I mean, much of our beliefs about truth are based on verbal rehearsal, right? So if I've got an idea that I've fallen upon or been put upon and I rehearse it over a long period of time, it seems really true by the time I'm done practicing it. And now to have somebody come to me and say, you know, actually, that's not the way things really are. That's a difficult thing to have to, to, to negotiate. And so what you end up having to do is, is to learn how much you can improve things by actually being forced to improve them. And, yeah. and there are several ways you can go through this process. One of them that works really well, particularly with writing, is to, is to have somebody write something and work on it until they think they're done, and then put it aside for a substantial period of time, a month, you know, a few months, and then go back and read it again. Right. There are, there are two pieces to what happens in that period of time. The first is you come back to it having forgotten everything that was in your head when you wrote it the first time that was bolstering your sense of how great this was. So now you go back and read it and you're like, oh, I, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> and then on top of that, you've learned a few things in those in those months. So now you think, I don't think I used that word quite right. Mm -hmm. Or there might have been a better way to phrase this. And so you begin to notice some of the flaws in your own writing. Now go back and work on it again mm -hmm. and make it better. Yeah. Even if even if there's no assignment there, even if you're not being graded for it, go back and write it again and and think, wow, this really is a lot better than what I had done before. And recognize that you don't have to wait several months to do that, that you can begin to learn to do that in the moment. Yeah. Because that's part of what allows experts to want to do that kind of revision is that they get to the, the, the point where they read over what they've done and they see places where something could be fixed and they work to improve those. Yeah. And, and even if on first glance they don't notice things that need to be improved, they know they're in there somewhere. And so they go back and actually pay careful attention to what you've done in ways that will uh, allow you to to create something better. Yeah. And we've, we've talked on previous shows about a characteristic of human beings that varies from individual to individual called the need for closure. Mm -hmm. uh, ambig ambiguity is something that to varying degrees, people don't like. I'd, I'd like to just know or decide. And one of the things about falling on an idea that's immediately appealing is I feel like, okay, I can stop thinking about this. I'm done. My decision is over. Ambiguity has gone. And having to reconsider something requires that you take what was a stable situation and now decrease its stability yeah. and entertain the idea that there are other possibilities that you might not have considered before or you rejected too quickly or whatever. And that requires some emotional energy that just staying with what you've already decided doesn't require. Next week, we'll explore flip-flopping with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. David Alvarez is our engineer, and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.